This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. So if you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of John, chapter 16. We will begin in John 16. All you note-takers will go to John 16. Then we'll go back into the Old Testament of 1 Samuel 1. As you're turning to John 16, you know, breakthrough prayer is, is not born out of I should pray or I ought to pray. Breakthrough prayer is birthed out of an attitude, I must pray. I, I've got to have God's help. I've got to have God's intervention. And so I, I pray today that it stirs up prayer within you. And I, I believe all my heart today when we get going here, it's going to birth miracles in some of you and a stirring back within you, okay? Today, just through the scriptures, I just a little thought here when we get going. You know, if you've been to a doctor for a routine uh, physical, one of the things they do, or they used to do anyways, they would come out with this, this uh, little mallet, a little rubber mallet, and they would tap you right here. And when they would tap you right there, if your reflexes were right, just instinctively your, your leg would move. It'd pop you. Well, I, I think that's what needs to happen with this with the thing called prayer. That when life shows up, the good, the bad, the ugly, my first thing I do is I pray. I get on my knees and I call out to God. And again, I highlight in the good days, the bad days, the ugly days, make that priority where you call upon the Lord. Now, I'm going to get to John 16, but I said this last week. We've got some house rules. One of the first ones is James 4. The, uh, James said through the scriptures, you have not because you ask not. So what do we forfeit in this life when we fail to ask? The very next verse, he says, you, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss or you ask for the wrong reason. You have the wrong heart, the wrong motive. And I think God is a God that answers need, but he doesn't answer greed. And then another area you got to get is Mark eleven twenty four, where the Lord Jesus says, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. So anytime I go to God in prayer, there's always an element of faith. But when I, I study my Bible, when I, when I study the Elijahs, when I, when I study the, the men and women of God, and we'll study a woman today in here, Man, it stirs me to say, faithful, just as we sang. Ooh, great is thy faithfulness, God. Now, this next house rule of prayer is found right here in John 16. Look with me in verse 23. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, I believe this is an eternal truth that we all got to get, okay? This, this is prayer 101, the foundation of prayer, okay? You are to ask the Father. I go directly to the Father in the name of Jesus. And so I, I don't come by, by my merits. I don't have any merits. I come by everything the Lord Jesus said for me to do. So if I violate this right here, this, this is going to cause your prayers not to avail like God desires them to. So you go to the Father in Jesus' name, verse 24. 
Until now or up to now, you've asked nothing. In my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so, again, he's talking about ask. I, I must ask. What do I forfeit or what have I forfeited in my life because my failure to ask? And sometimes we don't ask because we don't feel like we're good enough or we're worthy enough. Well, again, listen, it's not based on you. It's based off what Jesus did. Now, another thing of prayer I want you to get. Many times when we go to God in prayer, when we don't see answers to our prayers on our watches, we get mad. We throw our prayers away. We abort our prayers. We stop. But listen, listen real close. Our lives are, are moved by our timetable, our clock, which is based on minutes, days, weeks, months, and even years. But God doesn't tick to our ticker, okay? God looks through the lens of eternity. And when you got eternity, all you got is time. And what I mean by God looks through the lens of eternity, God sees the big picture. God's looking down and says, no, 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 they're not ready yet. This can't happen yet. But when I get to a place where I just trust God and I say, you know what, Father God? My job is just to pray and ask you in the name of Jesus. Your job is to answer the prayer. And too many times... You want to put a title in front of your name called Holy Spirit Junior. You're not Holy Spirit Junior, okay? Just stay with the word of God. Keep believing and trusting God. Now, turn back with me into the Old Testament to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel 1, uh, you'll go through Joshua Judges, little bitty book called Ruth, and then you'll come into 1 Samuel. Now, as you get to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 1, this was a very, very dark time in the nation of Israel. That it was a time the Bible would call of great lawlessness or wickedness. Just the world, the people in the world were just wicked. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? But at the end of Judges, it gives us a glimpse why the world was in great lawlessness. And it says specifically, everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now you're talking about chaotic in here right now. If every one of us in here did what we saw as fit, you're talking about a mess. So this is what begins to happen when people begin to ignore or get rid of the word of God. Just think a second in your life. Where would you be if, if you made up all the rules? Oh my gosh. Man, my life would be a mess. You talking about, so this is how it was in this time, okay? Just setting the, the table a little bit. We begin in, in 1 Samuel 1, verse 1, and there's a lot of crazy words in verse 1, but I want to read it, okay? And so if I butcher these, forgive me, all right? That's not my goal. I, I don't speak Hebrew, I don't speak Greek, I struggle with English, okay? I speak a little, little, little bit of Spanish, solo Dios sabe, just a little bit, okay? For all you gringos, they'll help you with that, all right? 
verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham, a Zophim or Zopim of the mountains of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephraimite. So what does all that mean? This guy named Elkanah was of the tribe of Levi, so he was of the Levitical priesthood, okay? Remember, the, the, the nation of Israel is divided into 12 tribes. The Levitical priesthood were the ones that were always in the trees, in the priests. So this guy named Elkanah here, he's, he's of the Levitical priesthood, he, he is a very sophisticated or a man of high standard. He's distinguished. But there's another one of these little words that I got to highlight to you, the one Z-O-P-H-I-M, Zophim or Zopim. That literally has the meaning he was a prophet or a seer, S-E-E-R. He was a man that had the gift of seeing into the spirit realm. And so... God still gives that gift. God still moves in those areas. And so I want to highlight this because Elkanah, he was, he was a godly man. He was a man who loved the Lord. Okay, verse 2. And he had two wives. That's not good. You got a problem right there. I don't care if you got two wives or two husbands. That's a problem. Immediately we got a problem. And the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now again, there's another problem right here for this, this woman named Hannah. She's got to share her husband with another man. And she has no children. She's been in this marriage covenant for 10 years with no children. Verse 3, this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. So they would go up to the temple in Shiloh. The, the Hebrew custom was they were commanded to go three times a year. But this guy, Elkanah, he went regularly. He was a regular person at the temple. He goes on to say in verse 3, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Now, these guys, man, they had a title, but they were about some of the most ungodly priests in the Bible. Verse 4, whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penae, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Now, this woman who was his wife, she had 10 children. Okay, that's how many she had. Verse 5, but to Hannah... He would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. So he literally gave Hannah a, a choice portion, an extra portion to sacrifice at the altars. Verse 6, now watch this. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, this, this lady named Penea, she thinks her job in life is to make Hannah miserable. She jabs her. She's sarcastic to her. 
Let me ask you something. Is there anything or anyone you know that tries to make your life miserable? And let me just throw this in here right now. Don't let people get you off God's assignment for your life. Don't, don't let them get you so goofed up that your focus is on them instead of God, okay? And, and whether you like it or not, the devil oftentimes will work through people to do that, but don't allow that, okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the Lord had closed her womb. She went after her. I, I think she continually reminded Hannah you don't have any kids. And in those times, in those customs, you were viewed as a, a failure. You were, you were viewed as a social misfit. Now, I highlighted a minute ago, this lady named Penea had 10 children. The reason I want to highlight that is in, in Genesis 1, verse 13, the Lord put in this thing called the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians 6, verse 7, the apostle Paul said, Do not be deceived or misled, for God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows is he will reap. So this woman named Penea, her goal was to be as cruel and as ugly to Hannah as she could be. Do you know what I found out studying on these lines? Eight of her ten children died. Be careful the type of seed you sow, okay? Verse 7. So it was year by year a pattern of repetition when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. She, she would get so emotionally worked up, she would cry so much that she would lose her appetite. She, she was depressed here. I, I believe she felt like she was in a hopeless situation, a dead end. She had a burden, and the word burden means it was a weight upon her that year after year after year, this is what her life looked like. Does that describe you? Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, now you ask these three questions. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart so grieved? Those three questions I ask you, is there something in your life that causes you to cry over and over? Is there something in your life that keeps you from eating? Is there something in your life that, that causes you to live brokenhearted? See, this can happen to every one of us. And so he says, am I not better than you than 10 sons? Now, when I first looked at this, I thought, man, oh, well, can I? he was pretty proud of himself. You know, you ought to cheer up, Hannah. Look, you got me. But literally, he was showing from his heart. He said, I, I mean, I, you mean the world to me. I, 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 don't, I don't have to, or you don't have to have kids to make me love you like that. You don't, I'm proud of you. Now, she hears all this, verse 9. 
So Hannah arose. And when you see the word arose there, that is more in a spiritual sense, guys. She arose, and and the arising here was something within her said, we're going to elevate our time of prayer. We're going to move. And and the reason you you can see this in the scriptures here is is watch what the, the word says here. So Hannah arose after he had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the tabernacle or the doorpost of the Lord. So guess what? She arose and where'd she go to? She went to the church. I gotta get to the church. I gotta get to the altar. I, I, I gotta come to the, the, the throne room of grace, that Hebrews 4.16, that, that I can find grace in, in my past, in my present, and mercy in my life for right now. And so this is her heart here. I've got to get to church. Verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul. Does that describe you? Does that describe you right now? Bitterness of soul. Deep anguish. I'm I'm in bitterness of soul. And she prayed to the Lord, and she wept in anguish. So what Hannah does here, she brings her problems directly and openly before the Lord. You know, every one of us in here, now listen real close. Every one of us in here experience times or season of barrenness in our life. Stuff within every one of us that hasn't been birthed can be a relationship. Some of you have believed God and you've prayed about jobs and promotions and they haven't come like you desired them to. There's a form of barrenness. Some of you have had dreams that have never been birthed. That that we quit on them. That we give up on them. And we act like God doesn't hear. And so guess what? God is a God that wants to rebirth within you things that he put in you. He hasn't stopped. Don't give up. And so what you're going to begin to see here today, God is a God of second chance. God is a God who who still takes messes and makes miracles. So she prayed to the Lord and she wept in anguish. You know what? I believe she's at a breaking point. And she says, I've got to have breakthrough. And breakthrough happens when something spurs us or compels us to say, I'm going to God. I'm going to the throne room of God. And I believe right here, this is exactly where she's at. Verse 11. Then she made a vow when she said, Oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant. She doesn't try to hide the conditions. She says, I'm in affliction. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. Look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. 
So not only does she make this vow, this woman's prayer is not only bold. Do you see how specific her prayer was? This was a woman for 10 years, didn't have any children. And now she's saying, God, I not only want a child, I want a male child. How dare her? How dare her? You know what? We've got a God who loves it. God loves when we come boldly to the throne room and say, man, Father God, I come to you because you're my heavenly Father and I know you hear my prayers. And so when she makes the vow to say, you give me a male child, I'm going to raise him as a Nazarite, meaning I'm going to raise him up where he will serve you all the days of his life. You talk about a prayer. You talk about a, a, a discipline, a commitment right here like she does. She's specific in her asking. Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, Eli the priest watched her mouth. Now get this. This woman's at the altar pouring her heart out to God. And this priest is just sitting there checking her out. And he's watching her mouth. Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart only. Her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Think about this. Her mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. Come, come on, come on. Speak, say something. You know what I begin to see here? God doesn't care how eloquent your words are. And God doesn't care how formal your words are. God's a God that sees our heart. And just a couple chapters down in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, Samuel said, God doesn't look like man does. Man looks at appearance. God looks at the heart. And so this was a woman who came before God with her heart and, and her tears spoke profoundly. Right there, she didn't say a word, but her heart was all in it. You know, when I'd gotten born again, I'd been a royal, royal mess. Just my life was all gooped up. And I can still remember that every time there was an altar call, I would go down. And I know people had the thought, man, that dude, he must be all jacked up. He's messed up and left. Well, I was. But I wasn't coming to the altar to impress people. I was coming to the altar, one, as an act of surrender, but two, saying, Father God, I need help. I need you. I really don't give a flip what anybody else thinks. And so one Sunday, I'm down at the altar, and I, I never forget this. I'm young, and I'm standing there saying, Father God, my best prayer is help me, Lord. Help me, and I'm repenting for sin again and again and again. And if you're a person that comes down here and repents of sin again and again and again, it's okay. God loves your heart. God loves you that you've become conscious of what you're doing. God doesn't get mad at you. 
And so this one Sunday, I'm down there and I'm praying and all of a sudden, I, I hear this noise. And it's, it's a, sign, a sound of sighing and crying and snorting. And I'm saying, what's... And, and I remember I looked down and this lady, who I don't have a clue who it was, she was on her knees. Very similar to how I see Hannah. And it wasn't like she was saying much. I mean, she was crying and crying and pouring her heart out right there. And she glanced up, and I'll never forget looking at her, and her face is soaking wet with tears. She's a mess. Her makeup is smeared everywhere. But you know what? She didn't give a flip how she looked. She didn't care. And that prayer of that woman's, I don't know what was going on with her, but it moved this guy. I thought, I've never seen a human being be so passionate about prayer. It, it was like it was real that she was calling upon her God. And I believe this is what Hannah was doing. Verse 13. Now Hannah spoke in her heart only. Her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli the priest thought she was drunk. This shows how spiritually dull and insensitive he was to the things of God. Look what he says here in verse 14. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? This is the priest. He can't tell the difference between a woman praying and being a drunk. Watch real close. Put your wine away from you. Better that when you sober up, come back and see me. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. You know what I begin to see right here? That there'll always be people that will insult you and make accusations against you. And if I'm not careful, I allow those people's insults and their accusations to get me off my, my real purpose. They get me where I don't keep seeking God. And I believe some of you in here, God has, God has had purpose for you and purpose for you and promotions for you and promotions for you, but you've allowed people to get you off of the assignment of prayer and saying, Father God, I'm coming to you. I, I really don't care if people view me as a drunk. I know who, who I am and I know you see who I am. See, just another design from the... People are always going to yak. Why are they down at the altar? Why is John down there? He's the drummer. Drummer shouldn't be down there. See, we get so goofed up at times by what people say about us instead of saying, you know what? You can call me a drunk or whatever. But she goes back and she addresses him as Lord. She honors him. Look what she says. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I'm broken hearted. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. 
but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. When's the last time you poured out your soul before the Lord? Think about it. I poured out my soul before, everything on the ends, I poured out my soul before the Lord. Verse 16. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and the abundance of my grief, I have spoken until now. When you look at what she did here, She sought God for only what God could do. And if you picked up several times in there, she used the word maidservant. She referred to herself as a maidservant, which exemplified here not only her humility, but her dependence on God. And so what I begin to see here, this was a woman who held on to God. This was a woman that we talked about who who pressed through in her times of prayer. Remember the acronym for the word PUSH, pray until something happens. This was what this woman did, and I want to highlight something to you. Remember, this is a time of very, very dark and lawlessness in the land of Israel, but even in dark, dark times, God is still a miracle-working God. God will move, guys. Some of you don't believe me, he moves. Go just to chapter 1 Samuel 2, verse 21. I got to read this verse to you. Oh my gosh, this is good. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So this woman for 10 years didn't have any kids. Now she's got six. Let me tell some of you that are desiring to get pregnant, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) Our God is Ephesians 3.20 God. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think. I I love this thought, guys. You got to get this picture Our God is still in the the business of visiting people. And so this guy named Samuel here, this is the first one. This is the male child. This is the guy who was one of the greatest prophets of all. This is the guy who anointed Saul and then King David to be king. And so guess what happens? Praying Samuels only come from praying Hannah's. What happens when we don't give birth in our times of prayer? God wants you to birth some things in prayer. Think about this when I talk about birth. He wants to birth you. Do you know when a woman gets pregnant, she doesn't look pregnant for the first month. But guess what she does, her and her husband? They start telling everybody, I'm pregnant. Well, you don't look pregnant. I'm pregnant. Trust me. And before long, they start getting bigger and bigger. And before long, they look like an olive on a toothpick. (laughs) 
Do you know I said that to a woman one day and then I realized, oh, oh, darling, that, that was meant to be a compliment. I didn't mean. And my wife had to tell me, don't tell women they look like an olive on a toothpick. But my heart was right, dear. But your mouth was stupid. See, it takes a little while. Go with me to Philippians 4, and we'll end with this. Philippians chapter 4. Woo, thank God for praying, Hannah. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. What a statement. How about if we said it this way? You don't have to be anxious for nothing. You you don't have to worry about anything. But in everything. Now look at the word there, in. But in everything. He didn't say for everything. He said but in everything. And so you're going to go through some seasons. But in everything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything. And so the divine remedy. Pray. Pray. By prayer. By prayer and supplication. Supplication is more than petitioning. Supplication suggests an intensity. It suggests an extended time of prayer to fully transfer the burden of one's soul into God's hand. So what was his remedy? By prayer and supplication. So I'm going to get on burdens next week, but all the burden is is a weight. God never intended you to carry these weights around. So literally, we are to cast our burden upon the Lord. So if I'm to cast it upon him, it's not mine no more. But too many times when we cast our prayers, or our, our, not our prayers, but our thoughts on him, his cares, we get ready to leave and we look around and we pick it back up. Through prayer and supplications. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Why would you have Thanksgiving? Because when you get pregnant with the things of God, you know down the line, I'm going to give birth. And so again, what does the woman do? You don't look pregnant, but she starts telling everybody. Well, when you get pregnant with the things of God, that's what you start. Woo, listen to what my God did. My God is at work. And you give him thanks in advance because you know, my God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. Notice he said the peace of God. He didn't say the peace of man. There's a huge difference between the peace of God and peace of man. The peace of God is shalom. Woo, that's a whole level, another level of peace. And the peace of God which surpasses or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In a world filled with problems, pains, and unknowns, God right here, he promised peace. That's why I gotta keep asking. Why do we gotta keep asking? Is God deaf? Is his hearing aid broke? No. God loves to hear our prayers. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And as you're going through those things, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This, this is the way I envision the peace. There's all this junk going on in your life. 
sorrow and anxieties, hurts, afflictions. And then when we pray to God and we turn everything over Him, it's like His peace is like an overpass. And so all that junk, it may be going on, but that peace of God which surpasses my understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ. I go over. And so as you're going over, you look down and you see it. It's like anxiety, deep sorrows. You're not what you used to be because the peace of God surpasses my understanding. I ask you to stand up where you're at today. Don't permit the size of the problem to keep you you from approaching the throne room of grace. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right there and close your eyes. Remember that, that Hannah wasn't moved at all by people. She said, I... I've got to to arise. I've got to get back up on the inside. I've got to give birth to the things of God today. The goodness of God today. Maybe a lot of those words describe you today. I'm a deep sorrow pastor. I'm afflicted. I'm hurting. When's the last time you poured out your heart to Jesus? When's the last time you came to the the altar and said, I I need help. I'm, I'm hurting. But I believe one of the biggest things today is God wants to stir back up within us. Those those seasons of barrenness. Ten years. After the first service, I had a man come down and he said, We desired a a baby. We didn't care if it was a boy or a girl. We just wanted a baby. He said, My wife had three miscarriages. But he said, In year 10, in year 10, said we had the thought we're gonna we're gonna adopt and he said the Lord told him before that he said get get the men of God get the elders get the pastors and and lay hands on your wife for a miracle and he said I said okay and he said most of them at that church I was going they didn't even believe in miracles But he said, we did, we rose, okay. And so he said, we prayed. And before we were gonna adopt this child, we went in and the doctor looked and said, she's pregnant. And she had a son. See, don't, don't give up on God. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't give up on your dreams. Now our team's getting ready to sing. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I welcome you to come down here. Don't be moved by the people. 
Just say, Father God, I'm coming. And it may be individually. You, you may be here today with a, a, a spouse, a family. You may be here with a friend. You may say, come with me. Let's grab it. Let's, let's go down. Let's go down and pour out our soul to God. Let's let God be God today. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.